Welcome back to Let's Learn Something. I'm your host, Paul McTavish. Today we shift our focus from our first four episodes on student voice and focus specifically on assessment. As many in Prairie Spirit School Division will know, there is a new administrative procedure on assessment this year, so this episode and the next will be discussions around that topic. One episode is with a PSSD educator who primarily teaches high school classes, while the other episode is with a PSSD educator primarily working with elementary students. This particular conversation is with Kevin Cumming, who is a high school teacher at Aberdeen Composite School. Kevin teaches primarily high school math and certain sciences and has become active in examining and shifting his assessment practices over the past number of years. This past fall, he also presented at the Canadian Assessment for Learning Network's virtual conference, where I was fortunate to hear him speak. He brings a number of assessment philosophies together into practical actions, and I was very excited to get the chance to speak with him. No matter the grade level you work with, you will find something in this conversation that will have you thinking. Without further ado, let's learn something about assessment with Kevin Cumming. So as mentioned in the intro, super excited to be joined by Kevin Cumming uh, here, who is joining us, uh, teacher at Aberdeen. Um, and I know you're in a in a smaller school, so you've probably taught everything from grade four health to pre-calculus 30 and everything in between. But uh, just so we can understand a little bit, Kevin, uh, what are you what are you teaching now and what, what what's your background a little bit? So, yeah, well, first of all, thanks for having me, Paul. And um, no the uh, my primary teaching area is mathematics and i basically teach all the math courses from grade 9 to 12. Um, that includes everything from um, workplace math to calculus um, i do teach some physics and i've taught some physical science and like you said being in a small school i've done like the theater 2030 class and i've yeah. done some grade 7 and 8 science back in the day and career and all that sort of stuff so um it's been streamlined in the last couple of years so now i'm mostly math with some physics involved Nice. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, like we said, a, a range of experiences. Mm-hmm. And the thing, I, the thing I'm really excited to talk to you about today is assessment, which is something that is near and dear to my heart. And just for those listening, um, Kevin was able to present at CAFLIN, the a Canadian Assessment for Learning Network conference uh, this past November, yeah. uh, where I had heard him speak. And so super excited to kind of explore some of the topics that you had discussed there and just your general thoughts on assessment. Because I think from what I know about what's going on in Aberdeen, there's kind of a, I don't know if renaissance is the right word, but there's a lot of really good thinking going on there right now. Um, I, that would be that would be fair to say, wouldn't it? Oh, totally. Um, I think like we're in a very unique situation where we have kind of kind of silos with, we have, you know, an English teacher and we have a history teacher and we've got a senior science teacher, but we're also all very much in contact all the time about what we're doing assessment wise. And yeah. so it's been really nice to have everybody kind of trying new things and meeting up in the hallways after school or during breaks or whatever and talking about, you know, this thing worked, this thing didn't. Um, and so it's, it's just really nice to have a whole hallway kind of our senior wing all on the same page or relatively on the same page and kind of fighting through some struggles that we're all having and, and all those sorts of things. So it's been, yeah, I, I'd say it's pretty unique. I haven't been in a building like this before. So. 
Yeah, that's awesome. I had the chance to visit you guys um, late last week, and I was very impressed with just the conversations you're having. So mm-hmm. I think we'll, co- we'll get to that here in a second, just like what's okay. happening culture-wise. But tell us a little bit about where you started from. So when I think about my own journey, like I started very points-based and oh, yeah. and that kind of stuff. And I know just hearing you talk, you've moved a long way down. But where did you start from and kind of what was your – yeah, what was your base baseline? Well, I think like most um... – Probably, I'm going to generalize here and say most high school math teachers were really good at high school math, which meant we were all very good at either studying for tests or just being able to memorize things or doing all those sorts of things. So a lot of my assessment practices at the beginning were um, based on, you know, weightings, you know, this much for assignments, this much for tests, etc. And yeah. maybe very little things for um, allotments for other things. Um, so very traditional, what I would call a traditional assessment practice um, until I guess it was... Um, probably around three years ago, I went to the Kaplan conference. Um, our school division took a, a number of teachers down to um, Delta, BC. And right. my mind was blown just because like, I was always really focusing on pedagogy, like my teaching practices. And so like, how can I present this information differently? How can I do these different things? And never once like the assessment piece was just kind of like, well, this is what we do. You know, this is the way I learned at math. This is, I was really successful at it. And this is, you know, just how I've been doing this for years. And then it was like kind of hit over the head with a sledgehammer, like, oh, there is so much more to this, this idea about assessment. And like all the people that were at this conference were like diehards, like they are all in on assessment all the time and just getting ideas that I could do things differently. And then that a lot of my practices were kind of outdated and, and, you know, really unfair to some kids. I think. Um, and then I was just like, you know what, it's time, it's time to change. So if I'm going to do it, I'm going to go like whole hog and just kind of tear it down and try and start from scratch. And what would I do now knowing with, you know, 15, 16 years of experience, like looking back on that stuff, what do I know now that I could probably, I, I probably could have done better. It's really interesting. I think I came to a similar experience where the assessment was just the test you gave at the end. Cause that's what you knew. And so it was, it was like just a way to measure the things that you were supposed to know at the end of this thing. And it wasn't until I got exposed to some assessment ideas, as you're talking about, where I, where I realized, like, oh, if we get the assessment part right, the actual rest of this is fairly easy. Like, yeah. if the assessment is laid out and I got a good plan on how to do this, I can do all kinds of creative things on the learning chunk of this, yeah. <laughs> right? But it's like, if you don't do a good job of that, then the test, you're really tied to that, I guess. And that was an yeah. awakening for me, I think. So. Well, yeah, and I think for me, I don't know if I'm jumping ahead um, here, but I think for me, one of the main things was like, I was always doing the assessment part kind of last. Like I was yes. really worried about here's the stuff I'm going to teach. I got to get through X, Y, and Z. Got to yep. get through all this stuff. Then we'll have a test. And if we have time, we'll do like a, maybe a hand in assignment a couple yeah. days before. That'll be exactly like the test coming up. And so then if they, they fall on both those things and it's definitely their fault sort of thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Got all these opportunities to do the exact same thing over and over again. And yeah. What else do you want from me at this point? Right. Exactly. <laughs> so when I, when I started looking at it differently, now I kind of, I do it backwards where I'm like, okay, how am I going to figure out what these kids know and then yeah. kind of build the tasks around that sort of thing. And, and so, yeah. yeah. It okay. So I think that's a really good segue actually. So when you're thinking about it before, it would have been like, I got to teach this stuff. And then at the end, I just test you on it. And now you're saying you're flipping that around. Can you give an example that might help? us understand a little bit, I guess, around what's your thinking around like structuring a unit now or structuring and what I mean by units, probably more by outcome or something. Yeah. Like that. So, well, yeah. You mentioned like one of the big pushes we're having at Aberdeen school and it's 
to really become outcome based and to really be getting away from looking at the weightings and whatnot. So what I do now is I, I take a deep dive kind of into my curriculum, which maybe hadn't been cracked in five, 10 years. And then and I start with the outcome first and I take a look at, okay, here's my outcome. And then where do these indicators fit for me? So when we're talking about outcome based, we've broken it down um, into what are our, our four main areas are beginning, approaching, meeting, and then mastery. And I take my indicators and I try and place them or parts of them in each of those four categories. So a okay. student knows where, uh, when they hand in some work or when we have a conversation and I say, okay, what do you know about this sort of thing? Um, where they kind of land on that scale of begin, uh, beginning, approaching, meeting and mastery. So when I'm planning my um, lessons or my tasks, I kind of start at the bottom and I level to the bottom and say, here's the stuff that we would need to know for the beginning. And then we, as we move through the things and the approaching and the meeting and the mastery stuff comes along from there. So it's not, I think in the past, I would have leveled from the top and like, here's the hardest thing we need to know. All right, we're going to do that. I'm going to make sure we get there. And now we may not get there at all in some, in some cases, but we do have, we are meeting indicators and we are meeting the outcomes. And um, that's the way that we kind of started looking at it. That's how it's structured. Yeah. yeah. So are you finding that when you look at the indicators, there's some that lend themselves more to just, this is a this is a real entry thing that we need to know and we're going to build on that. And so that's how you think about those at different levels. Yeah, definitely. And in some cases, like I'll, I'll split up an indicator. Um, in, in the math, there's a, a live got one in front of me here that um, is talking about, I can develop, generalize, explain, and apply a rule for arithmetic sequences or whatever. Sure, but yeah. those four words to me are totally different. Developing yeah. and generalizing and explaining and then applying. To me, those are like almost four levels or at least our top two or three levels. I try and make that clear to the students. Like if you're applying this to something new, that's definitely we're in the mastery part. And if you're just generalizing it and explaining it, that's, that's a lot higher level than like I'm taking numbers, plugging them into formulas. Mm -hmm. To me, that's not... In the past, I would have probably rewarded those kids with, you know, your high 90s or, or whatever, but they didn't do a whole lot of deep thinking to get there. So now to me, those are kind of more of the lower level tasks. And then we can build up to that. Do you really have a great understanding? And that would be in the, the explaining and the generalizing and the applying stuff. So if I'm hearing you correctly, and this is the way that I've come to think about it, and you can, you can, you can tell me where this connects and where it doesn't, but I think about that idea that if I've explained it to you in class and we ran through it and it and you're just at the point of regurgitation, and, so, and even if it's got many steps, it's complex, that's not a four level or it's not an exceeding right. level or it's not a mastery level, I guess it was the term you're using. There needs to yep. be some transfer that happens or you need to take that and apply it to a new situation. Would that be fair to say? That's very fair. And I, and like, that's the toughest, that's the toughest yeah. part. So I think one of the biggest transitions for students is when um, we're turning that idea of, of having a deep sense of knowledge away from just doing the same thing over and over and over 10 times and saying, oh, that means that you can do it really, really well and you have deep knowledge and saying no to get to the deep knowledge, to get to the, the higher level thinking, you actually have to take this to the next level. And I might not be there to just tell you do step A, B and C but you're gonna to have to, I can give you some nudges. I call them nudges, call them hints, whatever you will. I can give you some nudges to get there, but if you want me just to tell you how to do the problem, then it's just showing that I know the math and I need you to, to show me that you know the math. So can you make that step, that jump on your own? And I'll, I'll try and get you there for sure, but it's not gonna be as simple as me saying, do this, 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 and then yeah, everybody's got a 95 sort of thing. 
it took me a really long time to understand that. And it, some kids helped me figure that out. And I was teaching Chem 30 at the time in Kalonze. And I'd given the kids uh, basically a quiz. Uh, let's say redox reactions or something. And they had done very poorly. And I was very frustrated and disappointed. And because partly like I wasn't accredited, we were, we were getting to a departmental provincial yeah. exam kind of thing. I was like, we don't have time. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, all that kind of jazz. And the thing I said is like, I've seen your work. I've seen you do this. I've, I've explained this to you. Like, what's the deal? And they were like, oh, I don't know. And so I was like, okay, let's go through an example. And so I, would, I did the classic work example. I wrote something on the board. And then I said, well, what do I do now? And I did the next part. And then just the way I had laid it out there, like, I was like, so what about this is confusing? And they're like, nothing. We totally understand it when you do it. Yeah. And I had an epiphany at that moment. I was like, oh, like, yeah, so you can follow my work. That's not that's not a deep understanding. Like, I can watch someone repair a car. And I'm like, oh, I totally get what you're doing. But if that guy leaves and is like, okay, do it, well, I'm stuck, right? So I didn't really learn it. But it took me, it took like that kid making that comment to say, it's like, well, I understand it when you do it to go, oh, there's like, there's way different levels of understanding that I, I'm just barely scratching the surface of. And that, that really shifted the way I thought about this, you know? And I mean, for me, I always have to remember like they, they're, they're kids too. And they kind yes. of, like, of, of course they're looking for like, what's the way that's going to be the least painful because we do, everybody does that for everything, right? It's not yeah. just about learning, but so to get them in, out of that comfort zone, like, okay, so why did I do this? Do you have any ideas? Like, can you make these connections to the things I did before and, and those sorts of things? So it's a little, yeah, I, I've had those same epiphanies that you've had in, yeah. in the same way and being like, I know you can understand what I'm doing, but I also know when it comes down to you doing it, that we are at a total impasse here. So yeah, something's got to give. So I guess that leads, and, and we may have discussed this a little bit, but I, I just wonder, are there other things you've identified like, um, why that change was needed like what was it about you what you were doing before in the past you're like you know what this just doesn't resonate anymore this doesn't fit with what i want to be was it you weren't seeing what you wanted to from the kids or you just thought no actually what i do is okay but there's a there's even something better now that we can get to i'm just wondering what, what you're thinking on that like i i talked about how the kathleen was a big the conference was a big push in the second yeah. when we had peter Liliadell come in and the, right. the whole thinking classroom part um and everything like I had had a lot of frustrations up to that point. Like I was doing, I was doing lots of math in the day and I had done, like I've, I've said, you know, I've, I've taught this course 20 times. I don't need, to, I don't need to like keep on teaching this thing. But the, the biggest part was like, what if I could get these, these kids doing the math right from the start, like right from the get go, get them engaged in thinking and doing that sort of stuff. That to me started to resonate more and more. Like that's the way that we should be doing things. And so that then led to well, kind of impacted that idea of, well, then my assessment is out the window. If I'm getting kids to work collaboratively and, and get their learning collaboratively and then talk about it and do the teaching after they've done all the learning, you know, the consolidation piece that Peter talks about, then the assessment piece is going to look different too. Right. And so that was another big, oh, I need, might need to change um, how I do my assessment because I'm now changing the way that I'm presenting the information they're changing the way that they're thinking about it. So why would the thing that stays the same is just, here's your 20 question test. Yeah. The way you wanted to teach no longer cohered, I guess, with the way you're assessing, right? So it had to change. Yeah, it, it kind of had to change. And and I mean, when you think about this job and, and how long you're in it, if, if you're doing the same thing for 10 years, like that's a long time. Think 
everything's changed in 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> so like, kidding. Uh, changing our teaching practices, like how can we straight face that? Like yeah. kids that can look up um, math, anything math related, take a picture of it on their phone and get the answer with photo math or whatever. Well, right. Okay. So how important is that? It, uh, is it for us to really focus on those things anymore? And maybe that's a, that's a deeper dive that, that we need to take at the moment, but no, it, but it does lead to an interesting idea though, that I remember reading a thing from Damien Cooper, and I think I've shared this before too, but um, he talked about the idea that like you can teach skills or knowledge. And I, I think we can extend that to say there's also some reasoning parts. Mm -hmm. um, and there's also just some, there are some things where you have to produce a product. Um, like uh, there are certain things in industrial arts where it's like you can demonstrate all you want skill, but if there's a, there is a part where it's like, I need to actually see you make this. That's true. Like, yeah. make this joint basically with this biscuit and yeah. this is where the limits of my paa <laughs> start to really show but he's basically like you can you teach skills and knowledge and the knowledge part is becoming less and less important not because it is inherently less important because it is just more easily accessible yeah so our ability then to like help kids develop skills is like paramount that's the thing where we add so much more value and i i really like that idea and then marry that to like the peter lilliadol thing about like what we do is help teach like teach kids to think yeah and not think in one way but to like make them think and i i had an experience when i was younger just like when i was in high school in math class where there was a group of us that collaborated a lot together on these problems, but we had to check with each other to make sure we were headed down the right path all the time. And they just needed that confirmation all the time. And then going to university, those people no longer existed. And I just remember hitting that wall and that, that those feelings of insecurity. Yeah. And I think back to, well, if we just had a couple little bit different structures back when I was in high school, would I, would I have felt more confident? Would I have been more comfortable being uncomfortable for yep. lack of a better word, you know what I mean? And, and I think that's what we're offering kids now by assessing different, frankly. Yep. So, and it, yeah, they, I mean, the two tie together totally, but yes. um, being able to have the expectation there that there is going to be some heavy lifting on, on a student's part and that you can't really just be a passive um, participant in class and in the assessment piece. And so, I don't know if we'll get into this, but part of the conversations I'm having now is is really getting students to like when um, when they're handing in work for me to check over or what or whatnot as part of say like a portfolio. Um, it my question to them is like, why are you handing this in? Like, do you do you know why you're handing this? Did you just do like five questions and you're hoping that this hits our targets, or did you take a look at our targets and then say, oh, this is a really good example of factoring difference of squares or whatnot? Or is it just like, uh, here's all my stuff. Do you want to take a look at it and, and then give me a mark? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> yeah. Take a look at these targets and say, hey, here's some evidence of me doing this. Here's some evidence of me doing this. And here's some. And then it's like, oh, I don't know what these last four are. But then we can have that conversation and say, all right, here's what those last four mean. Right. Do you need some more help with that? Or like, where, where are you at with that? Giving those clear targets and then having them decide what they're going to submit as evidence to meet those clear targets. Okay, you've said three fascinating things here, so I want to take them kind of in turn. So one is about, I think, what we're coming to term, and this is a hatty term, but like assessment-capable learners. Mm -hmm. That idea that like kids can be involved, well, not involved, like like immersed, I guess, in the assessment process because 
they're the ones that are going to curate their evidence to show to you to say like, I understand or I don't. So I want to explore that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just the idea of a portfolio. Like I think there's some like nuts and bolts parts that come with that to think okay. about like what that actually looks like. And I said three, but I don't remember what the third one was. So let's uh, start with the let's start with the assessment capable learner part. So I've worked with kids before, and that is not something they do well initially. So there's some scaffolding and some work that has to be done. So when you're thinking about kids, when you're saying like, I need to see evidence of this, or like, why are you showing me this evidence? What's the work that goes into to that being a productive conversation? Because I've had some that are not. No, <laughs> so. I don't. So um, I'll preface this with saying like, when I decide to like to dive into something, I just go whole hog. Like I'm in. Yeah. Um, and so I kind of expect everybody else to be with me. Sometimes. <laughs> and so yeah. like, when I started assessing this way, I'm like, all right, so here's what we're going to do. And here's what we're going to do. And the kids were like deers in the headlight sort of thing. Right. So I, I found out that me saying, Hey, we're, um, how can you hit this target? Wasn't quite enough. So we actually really had to have some classroom discussions about, um, and you've probably seen a couple of my, I call them outcome reports. So a student will get all the targets. If you want to call them targets for that complete, that, that outcome it may take us a week, it may take us two weeks, whatever, but they have all the targets that they, we want them to meet. And then, so can I just pause you for a second? Cause I, I have seen this and this is where we reach the limits of the audio medium versus the visual yeah, medium. Yeah. But you're saying the term, so you're saying there's an outcome and then you're saying the term learning targets. Yeah. And so can you just explain a little bit like difference between learning targets and indicators? Cause indicators from the curriculum, but you're, you're talking about something just a little bit different, right? Well, I, maybe I'm using it interchangeably, but I'm, I'm using my, I'm rewording the indicators as learning yeah. targets. So I'm using I can statements. Um, so, you know, a student is, I can uh, find the greatest common factor between two or more numbers. Sure. Yeah. And I, and I would, I would agree. I think the difference between a learning target and an indicator is that the learning target makes sense to the learner. Yeah. <laughs> like that's, yeah. that's, that's the big difference, right? And, like it's, so, it's basically the same thing, but yeah. If you're talking about growing pains, well, there's, there's one of them. Um, is when I'm thinking with my math brain, these learning targets make perfect sense. I'm not not thinking with my 15-year-old boy brain um, where none of this stuff is English. And so uh, uh, usually I'm in in kind of my fourth iteration of these outcome reports because I'm always changing like how I I word these targets. And I found that some of these targets that I thought were um, an approaching target might be more of a mastery thing after right. students start interacting with them. So um, to go back to the the organization of it, yeah, I have an outcome sheet, I call it, and then yeah. I have here are your targets to be at meeting or an approaching and beginning and mastery. And yeah. um, when I first handed that to the students, they were kind of not great at using those tools that I had created. So they right. realize, oh man, I have a lot of work to do to get them better at using this tool, like anything, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cause we're teachers and that's what we're supposed to do. Yeah. So <laughs> to teach them to use this document um, at the end of a lesson, whether it was a, a thinking classroom sort of thing or something more traditional, I would say, all right, let's pull out that outcome, re- that outcome report. And was there anything on that outcome report that we did today? And then I would just take, you know, answers from the whole class. So a student that maybe wasn't great at uh, deciphering that that new tool that I had created for them could then see, oh, okay, so we did do this. So let's check the things that we did today. Okay, okay yeah. can you provide evidence that you know how to do that thing? So if it was, I can use the Pythagorean theorem, do you have any evidence of that? Basically, can you do a couple questions to show that you can do that? And can yeah. you do that at different levels? That, that sort of thing. Partly, I think you're this is always the problem with science and math, especially is like connecting what they know to the actual like terminology that exists. Yeah. And I think that's part of like when you say Pythagorean theorem, 
lots of kids would be like, the what? It's like, well, the yeah. C squared equals A squared plus B yeah. squared. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I can do that. Right. <laughs> and that's great. And those conversations, I think, have to happen. Those are the ones where um, you can get, like, you get a better picture of what a student knows when you're having yeah. conversations. And when a student says, I don't know what this thing means. Okay, great. Let's talk about what this thing actually means. Oh, okay. And then I can go and make a note later on. I'll have like a, my copy that I kind of cross stuff out on. And then, so for the next time I make it, for the next time I teach this course, I can change those, those targets and make them more student friendly. Cause sometimes I don't realize it's. Yeah. It's so then, friendly. yeah. So then what's the intent of those uh, pieces of paper? Like does each kid have one? And then what are, what are you hoping they do with that? Yeah. So the, the end goal is for them to have a record of what they know. So, not just a, I got an 87 on this test sort of thing, and that's what I know. Um, it's yeah. a, a list of the targets that we have for this outcome. And as they show evidence of those, I literally highlight them with the highlighter. Okay, um, yep. So if a student is handing in, submitting some work because they want me to check it over or whatnot, I can quickly highlight what they've shown me. Here's the stuff that you've done at the approaching level. Here's the stuff you've done at the, the meeting level. And here's a couple things you haven't shown me yet. And so they now know, okay, I've hit these targets. I need to go back to these other targets and like find evidence, either find evidence of doing that or be like, Oh man, I don't know what this is. So what are our next steps? You know, are you going to yeah. come in for some help? Are you going to talk to your buddy? Are you going to look it up online? It's like, there's a lot of different options there. Yeah. Um, and so every time that they resubmit, I just highlight the new things that they've shown me with a different color of highlighter. And to me, it's a nice indicator of like, of growth. Like here's where you were, yeah. when you started. And you've come back and you've resubmitted some stuff and here's where you are now. And in the end, they have this sheet that's either partially or fully highlighted. And we kind of have a better idea of like, here's, here's where I'm pretty sure I know that you know this stuff. And here's the stuff that I'm pretty sure that I don't, you don't have a great grasp of yet. So right. we, can, we can take it from there. And what I do with those highlighted sheets, um, I found that since our school division has access to fresh grade, the easiest thing for me to do is to hand that sheet back to the student and have either them take a picture or myself take the picture, put it on fresh grade so there's a record of where they're at right now. And that can, oh, nice. be, shared, that can be shared with parents. Um, yeah. Because as much as we, we spent so long getting our, our, our parents um, kind of trained to look at power school, which only gave us one number. Yeah. Which I mean, they're, all the parents are very um, used to that system because that's a system they grew up with, but we're trying to yeah. get to this, this learning part. Here's what your child has learned. Here's what we still want them to learn. And so here's their progress at this point in time. Well, the nice part too is, uh, and this is a Peter Liliadol thing too, but if kids are going to be assessment capable and they're going to move themselves forward, there's two pieces of information they need. Like one, the destination where they're going and two, where they are right now. And right. from there you can navigate, right? And so I think those sheets do a good job of like, the outcome's there, this is where we're heading. These are the parts you can do now, but all those things that are not checked off or not highlighted yet, like those are those are next steps. And they and they probably need your help to figure out well how do I, what's the first part of this next step that gets me there. But it, like at least the roadmap is there, right? Yeah, and getting that getting that roadmap in place is, is huge for I think for any learning to take place. I think there's I think to my past practices and sometimes I I know there's probably kids doing entire units of work and they're just like. What are we? What are we doing? Why are we doing? Yeah. It? Where are we headed with this stuff? And I'm just chugging along at the board, you know, <laughs> yeah. hoping that they stay caught up. So um, I found that it's been like a, a lot of work to get it started, but you know, I've 
ended up making templates that I can use and I can just stick the new outcome on there and I can go over my indicators. I've gotten really good at rewriting the indicators or like trying to figure out where they would fit. And I do have, I have a great class of grade 10s right now that are, are awesome because they don't sugarcoat a thing when I ask them, hey, do you like this sheet or do you not like this sheet? Do you like the other one that we just did instead? And they're either like thumbs up, thumbs down, or like, you should do this yeah. differently. Or I'm like, all right, I'll try this different next time. So they're, yeah. great. they're great for bouncing ideas off of. Those sheets too, like I, 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 w I didn't create something that was, that was exactly the same as yours, but I had sheets where I would have the outcomes list at the top and then the indicators I wanted them to know. And I would reword some, but I'd largely keep a lot the same because it's more for me to collect evidence for them. I didn't do as good a job of like helping them take their next step. So that was a failing on my part. But when the curriculum went online and you could just like click, you go to curriculum.gov.sk.ca, it's like you don't have to type anything anymore. You just copy and paste. It's like that saves so much time. It does, it does that. Save so much time, yeah. And then yeah, just yeah, and moving them around. And that's one of the yeah. big things like, oh, man, like what I thought was a, a high level task. Sometimes a student answers it perfectly in like one sentence. It's like, oh, yeah. okay. so maybe that is, maybe that isn't as high level as I thought, but it's opening my eyes up to like what my expectations would have been prior to what my expectations are now have, have totally changed like in, in a classroom setting. So the things that yeah. I didn't hold probably as important back then are probably the things that are most important to me now. So just yeah, yeah. getting that. So then what are the parts that, so we talked kind of about like, those are the structures that sheet I think is, is one of the structures that'll help kids become that assessment capable learner so they can chart their own path. Right. But then you, you talk a little bit about that portfolio and that, there's yeah. a, like, there's an evidence collection part mm -hmm. that you still need. Like at the end of the day, you're still responsible for determining where this kiddo yeah. is, what their next steps is. And at the very end, where they are in relation to a standard, like, right. are you 82% of the way there? What, like, cause we have to report in percentages at the high school level. So talking a little bit about that, when you said portfolio, what, what does that look like? Or what are you thinking when you're gathering evidence that way? Well, it's it's kind of changed over the last couple of years, but essentially it's it's the work that they've done that meets those targets. And so if they okay. hand it in at, at different times, that's totally cool. If they yeah. decide to hand it in at the end of the outcome, that's okay too. Um, the amount of work it is for me, it just moved along. So the portfolio, I would like a little more formal portfolio um, kind of process involved, but that's one of my like things that I'm working on coming up. And I think there's some other people in the division that are that are also looking into the, the same sort of thing, especially people that are in those like level three, level four situations where the kids aren't in the building every day. And I can see that being, we're, in Aberdeen, we've been tremendously lucky that we you know, haven't missed a single day due to COVID. So um, mm -hmm. we still are face to face with our kids. We can have those conversations and it's pretty easy. But um, part of that, portfolio thing um, is also like honoring the other ways of getting information about what right. you know. And so um, being able to work on the whiteboards, um, I get tremendous information just by listening to kids having conversations and, and having conversations with them and observing the work they do. So sometimes if the product information or the physical information is lacking, I still have a pretty good idea and I can use some professional judgment to say, you know, I, I, I heard you explain this whole thing to another student one day. So I yeah. know that you know this thing. So I, there's got to be credit for that because it can't just be like, you know, do factoring for a half an hour and then great yeah. factorer, factorer, whatever. So those observations aren't lost then, right? Like, so if you heard somebody yeah. in class say this, would you walk over to your book, flip to their sheet and be like, I'm highlighting this right now? Well, Is that how that works? Or? It's kind of the, I'll make a note of it. So, so okay. most of the time I'll, it's still in my brain. Um, yeah. 
the sheets that we're talking about is something that lives with them. I wanted them to have mm. that at all times. So whenever they got it back, they had had evidence of it. So yeah. that's why I, I started using the fresh grade to keep a, a copy of that for myself. Oh, that makes sense. Okay, nice. So then, but I guess that I guess that's kind of the, the third part of this is so now that you're thinking this way and now that you're helping kids build their literacy as like assessment learners, I guess, what can you do now that you couldn't before? Like before I would have, when I said worked examples for those who don't know, like you stand at the board, you write the question, everybody copies it down. And then it's like, try this 40 more times for these questions. Right. I'm assuming that's not what it looks like anymore. Oh, um, yeah. So now that you're, now that you can collect evidence differently and you can help kids like, collect their own evidence what can you do that you couldn't before well the one thing i've mentioned in uh, some of the presentations i've given is just the i feel so much more free as an educator to to, to use professional judgment of what right. a student actually knows so that's what that's the biggest thing um okay i also when we have students working on the whiteboards in groups or sometimes alone or what however they are they're doing it um having you get such a better picture of what they actually know like the the learning is visible on the wall and more even i guess even better is that any misconceptions that they have are also up on the wall i can they're visual yeah i'm not looking over their shoulder because you look over their shoulder and you know that's just kids will shut down right away sort of thing so when yeah. they're working desks that's totally different than they're working on on the whiteboard and they're working with two other people and so it's not i don't find that um, they feel it's an indictment of their math ability when I come over to see what they're doing. Uh, I find that it's uh, because it's group work, they're totally okay with with showcasing that. But as a teacher now, I see three groups or four groups in a row, and they're all doing the same thing wrong. That means, okay, maybe we need to have a little bit of a, a, an inter a math intervention here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, there's something that we all think is mathematically correct, and it, but I'm here to tell you that it's not. So might stop the whole class, might just grab a couple of groups of three together to show them, hey, you know, you're all doing this. Does this actually make sense? And and then go through it, pick up those misconceptions that way. And I think it's it's made me a better reactive teacher, if that makes sense. I'm yes. not I'm not the person at the front running off my script or doing whatever because I've done it, like I said, 20 times. I'm not just on autopilot. I'm now reacting to what students are doing. I'm reacting to what students are saying. And I'm I'm seeing what um, where they're actually at instead of having an idea of where they're at at the end of the unit because I did that test. And then yeah. now they, they bombed it and they have to do a read through test or whatever. So Yeah. We had a similar experience. I was working with a teacher in Clavette, um, Audrey Gavlis. I will tip my cap to her because she was, so we started using mini whiteboards and she was very brave to say like, okay, I'm going to, going to move away. Kind of like you had said, like, I'm just going to jump into this and see yeah. how it goes. I'm going to move away from this worked example uh, I do, um, we do, you do kind of like, and it was just like, we're going to jump into like, I'm going to ask you some questions. And it was similar, uh, groups working together. Um, and she had this very same experiences that you did is like, okay, I can visually see what their thinking is now. It's much yeah. more visible. So I can intervene when I need to way earlier than yes. when they hand it in. And that night I'm going over it being like, ah, oh, they're doing this. Like, okay, it's too late at that point. Like maybe right. I get them the next day kind of thing, but it's not, it's not in not the moment. Same. That was yeah. one big thing. And then the second big thing was that she could then um, like consolidate kind of, as you're saying, like consolidate what everybody was thinking and learning and yep. move, move groups around a little bit, mm -hmm. which was awesome. And the third thing she said, there was like, I'm so much more tired because like 
what I'm doing in that moment is reacting to where they are and I'm making teacher decisions the entire period. She's like, it's way more tiring. It's also way more fun yeah. than, than being the person who just like, I, I write this thing out and then they just follow along. It's like, this is actually like, this is engaging my brain and I'm having to make decisions in that moment about where these learners need to go next. And it's, it's tiring, but wow, is it fulfilling? And I, is that, would you say that's true? You can see me nodding over here and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is exactly mirroring my, like what I've seen in my classrooms. Like just, I'm up on my feet the entire time. Um, because I'm um, doing the thinking classroom, I've gotten rid of any teacher desk. Um, I just have like a small podium that is kind of pushed in the corner. I haven't used it in probably two weeks now. Um, and so it's more of me just always floating around and always seeing where kids are at and always having a better idea of where a student is actually at in their knowledge of whatever we're talking about that day. And we can make some, some big decisions on, you know, what to do next that way. And like, not to take it too, uh, too deep of a dive into the thinking classroom, but like, I can also send a group of kids to go look at another group of kids board because I know the problem that you're having and I know how they have solved that problem, you know, whatever that little issue you're having is right now. And I think you're going to pick up something from them. And then that allows me some time to go move on to the next group that might need me a little bit more because they're, they're having a big crisis and not just a, a small crisis. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I would, and I, I would hazard a guess that it's like, you can do those things because you're collecting evidence in the moment and you're not relying on like later on tonight, I'm going to have to correct a whole bunch of stuff. Yes. Right. It's like, I, I know that I'm going to collect evidence as we go through this. So I'm okay with mistakes and I'm okay with false starts and I'm okay with grouping these kids together. Cause like, I feel way better about my ability to collect evidence. Would that yeah. be fair? That's a, that's a very fair statement. Yeah. I, I'm more comfortable in the moment of teaching now than I ever was before. Yeah. Which is awesome. But then, so that leads to uh, this next little part where I think elementary teachers are going to be like, they're gonna be like, well, duh, that's just the way it works. Yeah. High school teachers are going to say like, what I like that. I don't even understand how that could fit together. And I'm being a little bit facetious, but oh. you have not once mentioned marks. You have not once mentioned yeah. scores. You have not much once mentioned percentages. Yeah. You didn't even mention the one to four scale. You said beginning, approaching, meeting, mastery, right? So connect that for me. How I mean, I guess we use marks for a number of different reasons. One to inform parents Two to say this is this is at a certain standard. Uh, a three is like where we want standard to be a four is exceeding all that kind of stuff. We, we use those things. I think elementary teachers are much more comfortable thinking in that way. But as high school teachers, we've been trained to think in points and percentages. And it sounds like you've kind of moved away from that. So I just talk me through that a little bit. Well, I've moved away from it as much as I possibly can outside of yeah. having to do our duty and give a mark to a kid at the end of, at the end of the semester. Um, and so along with having a lot of great coworkers on board with uh, doing things this way, we've got a good admin team at our school too, that also mm -hmm. believes the same things that we believe and that yeah. we, we are, we are trying to divert the focus away from marks into the learning. Um, now there's, there's a definite transition period there. So, um, on those outcome reports, um, we decided in, I guess it was April when the school got shut down for the COVID. Yes. Um, we met as a group online and we decided, okay, if we're going to make a shift, let's do it now. Let's, because number one, we're not seeing our kids face to face. So we have to find a different way to assess them. And is, yes. this, is this a valuable way of doing it? And if so, we did it in with this coming year in mind. Is this something, if we're going to do it now, we want it to be able to transfer over to the next school year. So we want to be able to continue it. We don't want to just it be uh, like a, 
a Band-Aid solution. Right. So we, for that transition to occur, we went from what most people would call 101 point scale, because you could give a kid a zero to 100, that down, and we left that at seven different marks that a student could get. Okay. Um, anyone that's worked in the power school knows that power school will trans will translate those one, two, three, fours to one mark. Um, we kind of gave a little, so we're basically at seven marks. So beginning, we have a, you know, if you're beginning, you're at about a 40%. Approaching, we have 60 or 70%. And we, we've divvied up some marks for... If You've got some landmark percentage marks that yeah, equate yeah. to certain levels, right? Yeah, yeah, there are some percentages that still get. So I had um, my new courses started on Monday. Um, so I handed out the first outcome report and I had taken the, the percentages off there. And as mm -hmm. much as I had wanted this, we've just worked for five months on like, here's where you're at and highlighted and made this like, well, what, like, could you put the percentages back on? And <laughs> yeah. like, okay, so I can put the percentages back on if you want, but talking about those percentages and we didn't get into this last bit yet, those percentages are really for them at the end of the year or when those report cards come out, we do a self-assessment. And so they assess themselves based on those outcome reports, what's highlighted, what's not. And if you were to give yourself a mark based on these criteria, which one of these marks would you give yourself? And that there's your self-assessment. So they're not fighting over like some teachers have in the past, you know, uh, the difference between a 72 and a 75 or something like that. It's like, here's your, like, where are you at? Are you at the beginning of this? Or are you at, you know, if you, if you know that you're at full mastery, because you know, you can do everything, um, you're completely independent, all those, those landmarks that we've talked about in class, then that mark is, is pretty easy to assign. And they, assi right. they assign themselves that mark. Um, okay. when I first did, I, this is the first year I've done something like that. And so I was really hesitant on like how many, how many students are either going to like high ball or low ball, because you're going to have yeah. some people that are like, no, I really don't know this stuff. And they really give themselves the lowest mark possible. It's like, no, it's like, you know, and I know that yeah. you explained this to me and, and you've had evidence of all these things. So that's why that highlighted sheet is also a nice thing to have. And some people, and it was nobody, the first report card actually went and said, I'm way up here. I am the best at, at the best. I can do all these right. things. And they didn't have any evidence. So yeah. it was a nice, um, I thought that might've been an issue and it never ended up being an issue at all, that they were all very reasonable based on the fact that they now had a sheet that said, here's what I think, you know, and here's what yeah. you know that, you know, and, and here's where you're at just to close the percentages talk. Those percentages yeah. are still there. Um, but we're, and we, sometimes we get into conversations myself and some of the students on, on well, why can't I have like a 95 and not a 90 or a, or a hundred? Why right. can't I have that 95? I'm like, well, what's the difference between that and a 93, you know, and, yeah. and no one can ever tell, well, 2%, but other than that, <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, it's 2%. Come on. <laughs> yeah, that to me, if you could tell me looking at a student's work, if it was a 95 or a 93, then you're some sort of magician that I've, yeah. I've so that's 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 where I'm at on the percentage thing. I'd love to get rid of them altogether. And I, and I tried just, 24 hours ago and it didn't work very well. So yeah, we yeah, totally. Marks on there, but no. And I think we've trained kids really well in some ways to like think that they know what percentages are. I would argue yeah. that they don't, mm -hmm. but they think that they do. They think they that that communicates something very very widely understood. Uh, yeah. And I think that's the debatable part, which would take us another hour, I think, to kind of get through cool. the nuances of that. But but I do think that there's a transition part where it's like, okay, if you, if we can agree that like you're mastering this, then we can probably agree it's in the 90s to the 100 range yes. kind of thing, right? And so yes. we're going to give some marks off that. So that 
that totally makes sense. I guess I guess the thing I was going to interrupt you before, but the thing I was wondering, I assume though that like if some kid puts down a mark that is so outside the bounds of where, where you think it falls, like you have a yeah. conversation. Like at the end of the day, you're, you still, you, Kevin Cummings, still assign the mark for that course, oh, yeah. right? So I do yeah. that. I mean, that's part of my professional judgment that I'll actually right. I have to, but I don't, I don't blindside a student and, yeah. and just all of a sudden they get the report card. It's like, but I thought, I thought like there's, there's no, there's no surprises. And that's, I, that's what I love. Like I did a, I did something similar uh, in an, like an information processing class of all things in Clavette back in the day. And the last part was that we did a portfolio and we co-determined the mark at the end. And I really liked that because like uh, they'd kind of have, here's the evidence that I have and here's why it should be this or whatever. And usually they lowballed and I'd be like, actually, no, let's bump that up to here or whatever kind of thing. But I loved it because there was, there was no argument at the end. No one ever brought the report card later and was like, Hey, I'm upset about this. It's like, we already, we had the conversation and like we arrived at an amicable solution to this. <laughs> like yep. it's, it's done. It's so, it's, I don't know. It's such a, it's non-confrontational, right? Yes. Which is, which is awesome. Cause I know marks can be a thing for some <laughs> folks. So. I, and I mean, I would love, I know we have um, one staff member on here that will do those uh, like a 15 minute interview at the end of a course. Um, I'm not wired that way quite yet. So I would love to have deeper conversations with students that way. For me right now, it's it's more of a physical portfolio with some conversations that need to happen. Yeah. If they need to happen. I would love to get more into that that interview sort of thing. And so maybe I'll get some tips from him on how he how he handles that. But and I think and I think there's some folks who are in their situation right now might be hearing this and thinking like, yes, I could totally see how that would work. And there might be others who are like I've got 28 kids in this class, how whatever. And I do think the more kids you have, the more portfolio based you have to be and then just be selective about who you might interview. And like I've taught classes where I had a physics 30 class of like single digit kids just yeah. because that's how many were there at the time. And I, we could interview till the cows come home. So it, it worked really well. But, yeah. And that's yeah. kind of where I've landed on that. When I have the smaller classes, because we're a small school, um, yeah. then I, I can do that. And we, but we do have some classes that are 30 plus sometimes too. So. Yeah, so I could try and do those interviews and and will if I have to. And I guess the other part is like if a student wants that interview as opposed to like like just handing in like a physical portfolio, like let them have the interview. Yeah, let's <laughs> like, go. Let's do it. <laughs> if, if, if you can show me like a, a number of these things that I need you to show me by like talking it through, by all means, let's let's have at it because that's going to that's really what our job is here is to find out where you're actually at. It doesn't have to be a stack full of papers. Yeah. And it, I think the other thing, this just struck me as we we're thinking about this. I think the other thing, when I think about ELA teachers, for example, when you think in terms of those levels, so um, beginning, approaching, meeting, or exceeding, or, or mastery, or, or one, two, three, four, if that's the thing, or yeah. whatever those are, you don't have to reassess like comma splices. You don't have to reassess the small little like, well, I, I capitalize this and I and now this comma is here. Yeah. Is this now an 84 instead of an 82? It's just like, no, it wasn't a substantive change in your learning, right? Like when you when you have less levels you can jump through, you don't it's like what's the substantive change that has happened? Yeah. What's the what's the understanding or skill that has like vastly improved or increased here that we would that would warrant having this conversation right I, that's the other thing it cleans up a lot of those little things it does and and i mean if you as a teacher have done the the work on the front end 
And initially for anybody that wants to try doing this, you're going to like anything, you're going to make mistakes at it. And that's great. Yeah. That's what, that's what teaching totally. is. Totally. Um, then like if you do the work on the front end and they, you have those targets pretty clear for the students, then it's not like, you're not going to get into argument because like, here's what you need. Can you show me that this thing that we're missing, you know, it's, it's basically a yes or no, show me some evidence. Or if you want me to provide you with an opportunity to show me that come by at noon or whatever, and, and we'll do that. Let's do it right away and get it over with. So, yeah. And I don't know if this is, it's probably not kosher, but I remember when I was first starting to do this work and, and thinking about like, this is the evidence once you provide me. And it's just like, I picked the wrong target or it wasn't worded well, or it wasn't clear. The criteria was bad. And anytime that happened, I'd just be like, you're right. This is my fault. I'm giving you credit. Like, just you, like, this is on me. This is not you. Like, yeah. <laughs> There's, like why is that a bad thing? You know, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's okay. Um, and this might be a nice segue then for the last question. I just want to get your opinion on. So as you're working through this, I know this is, this is all still a work in progress. What's the thing you're still wrestling with? What's the thing? It's like, I haven't quite got this yet, or this is still, this thing is still a thing. I, I got to put some effort into where, where are you at right now? There's, there's always a, a million things. Um, yeah. Five years ago, I would have thought I had it all. I had it all figured out, right? <laughs> Until I figured yeah. I had nothing figured out. Yeah. Um, but right now, like just making sure, like for me, it's the clear language. That's probably the first thing. So okay. Make sure yeah. that students know where they're at. Providing like the actual report itself, I found I can neither make that really confusing by accident or I can make it clear. And I think every time I do one, the first one I did was too vague. The second one I did was more concise. I tried to get too concise on the third one. And so now on my fourth iteration of this, I think I've kind of nailed it for now. Yeah. See how I'm getting the students feedback on that, which ones they like, like the best. Um, you just mean like defining the criteria of what yeah, just as, at those levels, what it would look like And in order for this outcome report to have meaning for a student, they have to be able to understand like what it, yeah. how it's constructed and what information they're going to get off of it. And so right. where to find that information. So if it's too cluttered, if it's too, too many words, if it's you know, not enough words, all those sorts of things. So trying to find yeah. a sweet spot for something that's informative and effective, I think is a, is a big thing. So, yeah. And so those are the, those are kind of the two big ones that I'm still struggling with. And the, the struggle for me too, is to, my goal is to get them to focus more on learning and less on percentages. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a long-term struggle that I'm going to have to deal with for a while. Like I, you can't just flip that switch and say, yeah, now like that percentages don't matter because to them, they yeah. do matter. And to parents, they really matter. And so we can't just say, okay, they don't matter anymore, but how can I get them to say, yes, your percent, your mark in this class, I understand that you have goals and that's fantastic. Let's just yeah. make, make it clear that, um, here's what you need to attain those goals. Here's what you need to be able yeah. to show me to get to that goal. And if, if we can do that, then I think kids are going to win in the end and we're going to be happier and, and everybody's going to be happier for that. Just be having, yeah. you know, clear target, clear language and making sure that everybody's on the same page. Couldn't agree more. Yeah. Just like the idea, it's like, we still, there's still going to be some marks. Uh, we're yeah. in, in high school. We're still mandated to report by percentages. So that's still going to be a thing, but so much more of this is going to be about learning. Yes. Like so much more of our focus and attention and time and effort is going to be on that. And, and it it's, on, it's going to be on that. End. Yeah. And not, and it doesn't have to be flashy. That's another thing. Yeah. Like I would have been um, dazzled by presentations sometimes in the past that were like, you were just talking about comma splices and whatnot. Yeah. Like that's not what we're assessing here. It's great. It's great that you made this awesome um, PowerPoint presentation. It's great that you did this awesome. Right. Picture, but I can get as much information from you just having a conversation. And I value that as 
love your poster. You have all the yeah. things that we need. And I love that conversation because you told me everything that I needed to get from that too. So just honoring like the fact that some kids are going to not be great public speakers and some kids are going to be not great at making posters. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> My stick totally. drawings work great on whiteboards, but other than that, they don't transfer well to any other sort of artistic <laughs> media. So yeah, totally. Um, the last question then, uh, just the, any other thoughts question. So anything, anything that I should have asked you that I didn't or anything oh. that's, that's twigging right now in your brain? Not really. Like we covered a lot. Um, in the last two years, I've really taken this deep dive into assessment. So I'm trying to find something that works for me in my current teaching situation in you know, a small town school where sometimes you have multiple uh, classes you're teaching at the same time, all those sorts of things. Um, the outcome based stuff, I think is something that if people aren't getting behind, I think they really should, because I think if people are having stress about students writing exams in this era where they're not, we don't see them face to face, then there are options out there for people. And there are people in the division that have great ideas for some of those options that we need to talk to your, you know, talk to your LFs, talk to your coordinators, talk to those sorts of people, because there are ideas out there and it, it might be tough to get started, but in the end, I I found it super fulfilling, so I would hope other people would too. I think that's a great sentiment. I, having walked down this path a little bit, the investment at this front end can feel a little bit scary and a little bit uncertain. But on the other side, there's a lot of rewards, and even in just your identity and how you get to teach kids and interact with kids is so. Yeah. I find it really rewarding. So I I, I, I am more in touch with my entire class than I have been in years. Where you know sometimes you you do have those those great relationships you, you make with kids because maybe you coach them or do whatever. And now like I, I'm hitting it. I'm talking to every student every day in every class. And I don't yeah. think I could have said that, you know, five years ago. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Kevin, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I really, really appreciate this. Hey, man, thanks for having me on. This is awesome. And that's our episode on assessment from a high school perspective. I really want to thank Kevin again for giving his time and sharing his expertise and experiences in this conversation. It is greatly appreciated. We have more to come in the near future. As I mentioned at the top of the show, we'll have an episode focused on assessment reflections with an elementary educator that will have ideas applicable for all grade levels coming soon. Stay tuned to this podcast feed for more conversations with Prairie Spirit teachers. Until then, stay safe and take care.